Thanks for listening to another life-transforming message from the team here at C3 Southwest Washington. To find out more about our church, visit c3swwa.com. And we've been talking about all sorts of different aspects of computer technology and this idea of needing a reboot. And I hope you've grabbed onto that. It's one of the graces of God. I think we all hit a spot where we're glitching and we're challenged and we're thinking, man, I'm here I am again. And we're able to reach in to all of heaven and God is able to touch us and cause us to reboot. Get us, give us a fresh new mercy for today. We talked about a number of different aspects of this idea, but today I wanna to talk to you about the idea of deleting bad apps. Anybody you've ever had an app on your phone that you deleted? You know, if you were to do just a little bit of research, uh, there are billions of apps, millions of apps that are out there. There are some apps that have billions of users, but the truth is 77% of all apps are deleted after just three days. And that 90% of all apps are deleted after 30 days. And the reason why there's several but they are listed kind of in this order. Number one, they use way more resources than we ever expected. Too much memory, too much battery power, or it keeps charging me, right? Or it's possible that they're deleted because they don't work as advertised. You get it on your phone and it, it promises you something that it can't deliver. Oh, this is gonna help my pictures look good. <laughs> right? Like it's an app, it's not, a, never mind. <laughs> They don't live up to their promises. They interrupt your day. They make you vulnerable to dangers or also can be really deceptive. They put you uh, into contact with some things that could really harm you. But when you find yourself at that moment on a smart device, you just simply delete because the presence of that app is worse than if it was not, it was not there at all. And what I wanna challenge you is to embrace a moment of, as you look at your life, because this will be common, where in your walk with God, you'll discover that there is an app in the software of your life that actually needs to be removed. You picked it up along the way, it's faulty, it's not for today, it's actually not healthy for you to have, and it's time to get rid of that thing. And this is one of the great things about walking with Jesus. I don't know if you realize this, Jesus just didn't come so that you could be forgiven. He came so that he could rewrite the code of your life so you could step into a transformed way of living so that you experience a better life, not the same mistakes over and over. And we believe in that and we embrace that. And so let me pray over you. Father, we thank you this morning. At home, we thank you for everyone who is here. For this moment, Lord, we wanna embrace this idea of transformation. Father, the idea that you are perfecting us. We're not perfect. We have only Jesus who was ever perfect, but we are in the process of living our lives being perfected, and we are so grateful for that. And right now, Lord, I pray that you will change our hearts when it comes to this idea. Lord, there are different catalysts that bring us to a moment to realize that we need some perfection. And ah, we don't like those at times. Father, we wanna run the opposite direction, but I'm praying right now that you allow your people to lean forward into this idea of transformation. In fact, to desire becoming perfected. And however you deliver that to our lives, Lord, that we will embrace that moment because your desire is to give us life and life abundantly. And anything less is usually brought on by us and you want to remove that. So Father, we pray for that in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. 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 Give the Lord a big hand. <laughs> and you can be seated. It's so great to have you here today. And for those of you who are at home, 
appreciate our team, all that you guys do uh, to make this all happen. We do have a 9 a.m. gathering. There's a little bit more room at that. So uh, if that works out better for you, you just need some more space to stretch out, you're certainly invited to that. Grab your Bible. We're going to be in the book of Acts, chapter number 8, talking about this idea of, del- of replacing bad apps. And I want to set the tone for you of what this chapter looks like. Um, it starts off where Saul, who becomes later on Paul, written, wrote most of the New Testament, actually is not a believer yet, and he thinks he's doing God a favor by exterminating Christians. Now, I know that many of you feel like in this season, you as a believer, you are really being attacked for your faith and all that, and somebody's saying things on Facebook about you, or maybe your, 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 uh, your very highly followed feed has been, uh, has been silenced by you know, some crazy media out there, but actually back in the day, real, real, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Persecution actually was physical. They were going from house to house, dragging believers out of their house, putting up before the magistrates, taking them to jail, and in some cases, having them executed. I don't celebrate that, but that's a reality. That's real persecution that happens all around the world right now. It's not just a biblical thing. There are people in countries right now who are dying for their faith. It's not a governor who says, hey, you can't gather. It is literally a, a, a government that says, if we find you gathering, we will, we, will, we will kill you. Some of our most thriving churches right now, believe it or not, are actually happening in some of those nations. I think, to be honest with you, a little bit of persecution does us well. I think one of the greatest dangers is comfort. How many of you like to be comfortable? I love me some comfort. I mean, it, I mean, they're even now giving remotes with car radios because it's way too uncomfortable to reach out across that vast chasm from, from my armrest that's heated, by the way, all the way to the dial on the radio station. It's much easier just to tap the remote control so that I can be comfortable in the process. But I want to tell you that oftentimes the comforts in our lives actually work a weakness. And so there's a great moment to embrace some challenge. And I think that uh, you're going to find that no matter how comfortable you try to make yourself, the Lord and this world will have a way of bringing some discomfort into your life. It's not because God wants you to be uncomfortable, but everything will work against your comfort in this world. Heaven will be very comfortable. We'll still work, but it won't be toil. It'll be comfortable. But until then, God is able to redeem these moments that are uncomfortable for us. And so while Saul's persecuting the church, the church actually disperses and goes other places to do what God really called them to do anyways, and that's to preach the gospel in all different places. And so we pick it up around Acts chapter number, uh, I guess, uh, Acts chapter 5, we discover Philip going down to Samaria to proclaim to them the Christ. Now, Philip is one of the original 12 disciples. We read about him all throughout the four Gospels. It's pretty fantastic. And when he shows up there, we have in verse 6 an explanation that's pretty beautiful. It says, And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip, and when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. And that's key. They not only heard what he had to say, but they saw the signs he did. And if there's ever a combination that we need in our nation, our community, in our churches, especially in this region, is not just words, but it is accompanied with a demonstration. I'm telling you that words alone is just information. It creates good positions. It lets people be ready to argue. But everybody's got an argument in this world right now. Arguments don't change minds. You know what changes minds? Demonstration. 
In fact, we get so filled with knowledge, even biblical knowledge, we begin to create truths to explain away why we don't have a demonstration of power like is in the Bible. But what Philip did was he stepped into a moment and he preached God's word, which is awesome. But then he stepped back when there was a need and invited God to fill that space of need. And as we read a little further, it says, for unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who had them. Well, Pastor Steve, that's, 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 uh, that's New Testament. That's a long time ago. There's no unclean spirits in the world. Have, are, you, have you, are you in a coma? Like, have you looked around and seen what's going on? These aren't just arguments. These are arguments that are influenced by dark forces. I don't want to be like demons on every doorknob, but we are living in a world where this is happening now. There are things pushing and influencing world events and people's lives. And when, uh, when Philip stepped into this moment, he not only brought an argument to point out something that was wrong, but he also stepped back and invited God into the, 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 the space that exists between what we're experiencing and what we should experience. And that's a beautiful thing. That's how you want to live your life. You are engaging with a friend at school who is sick. And you begin to have a discussion. Hey, God heals. God heals. That's great facts. But you demonstrate the power of God when you step back and say, hey, you are not well. I believe that God you wants you to be well. Can I pray for you? Some people are nervous about doing that. We like to, we like to feel good about uh, our virtue signaling. We'll call it that because that's a new phrase that's out there. I want to use it to be hip with you hipsters, right? Uh, virtue signaling by saying, hey, I'll be praying for you. You're not feeling well. But God hasn't called us to retreat from, from, from needs. God has called us to step into those moments. So what do you want to do to create the moment for an actual demonstration that people can observe? Hey, I believe God can heal you right here and right now. And so you invite that person to experience healing by saying, let me pray for you. And listen, none of the pressure is ever on you. The greatest fear is that it will be, but that is the enemy. If you step back and invite God into the distance between what is and what should be, God will always fill that void with his presence and his demonstration. And the more you do that, the more you'll experience faith acting and results coming. And that's what Philip does. And Philip does this repeatedly, so much so that the paralyzed or the lame were healed. That's big. You don't just get there by yeah, immediately. You step into, hey, you're not feeling well. You got the flu or you have a need. And you begin to press into that and grow into that experience, which we observe Philip doing. You know, words may win over the mind, but a demonstration of power wins over hearts and lives. You got to remember that Samaria is filled with information, biblical information at this point. It's part of the greater uh, nation of Israel. It's, in fact, where a lot of people have moved. Jesus had one of the most amazing theological arguments with a woman at the well. You remember that story? Jesus is thirsty. He says to the woman, give me something to drink. And what does she do? She lives in a region that has all of these arguments. She begins to argue theology with Jesus. And Jesus steps forward, and you know what he does? He presents facts, but then he presents power. He, he steps into the supernatural, and he begins to prophesy over her. And she rebuttals him, and she says, you know, you can read it in John chapter 4, but she's like, uh, you know, we, we Samaritans, we worship this, but you worship that. She wants to have an argument. And that's what people want to do, even biblically today. You and I are armed with so much more than just facts and figures. There's a couple great quotes. One of them's from Leonard Ravenhill, another one from L.H. Hardwick. It says, a man with an experience of God is never at the mercy of a man with an argument. 
Because words coupled with power brings about an experience. And when you have been healed, you can have somebody arguing that God doesn't heal today, but if you've been healed, how many of you know? It, you win. Anybody? You've experienced healing in your body. You don't care what their facts are because they don't line up with Scripture, and they've twisted the Scripture to say that that doesn't apply today. God still heals today. You know why? Because there's still sick people today. That's why. It is a human need. And so, and also, uh, L.H. Hardwork said it a little bit differently. A man with an experience is never at the mercy of a man with an opinion, and there are oh so many opinions out there, right? So it's important for you and I to step into people's lives and see the need and then declare truth and then be willing to demonstrate, create that opportunity for God to do something huge. And so that's what Philip does. And that puts him into an encounter with a man named Simon who we're going to get this understanding of this deleting bad apps. As you read through the verses there, uh, let me set the stage a, a little bit this way. Let me give you a first point if you're taking notes. Um, you know, we are writing life apps one experience at a time from the moment we're born. And I don't know if you can remember back to your very first memory or your very first couple of memories, but like apps on a phone, which are created by authors for specific purposes, you step into situations for the first time and you have an experience and you observe and you take on information, someone gives input. And you begin to create an app so that when you step back into a similar situation later on, you're going to know how to function, right? And so I don't know about you. I can remember one of my first memories is my mom. This is, ba- this is dating way back. This is before they delivered your razors by mail, which is something that I, some of you are like, you, that, that is an actual thing. I don't have to go to the store to get my razors. They ship them to me as I need them. But back in the day, they had these razors that was a steel handle, and it was a clamp that opened up, and you dropped a double-sided razor blade into those, and then a little spindle on the bottom, and you turned it, and that clamp closed up, and you had a razor blade, a single-edged razor blade, really more like a personal torture device that you would then shave with. And I remember one night, my mom, she opened hers up. She took the double-edged razor blade out. She set it on the counter, and she was about to go out of the room. We were watching TV or something, and she looked at me and said, don't touch that. It's dangerous. And immediately, I began to write an app in my life. What am I going to do when faced with authority? What am I going to do in terms of obedience? What am I going to do in terms of pain and when blood is squirting out of my fingers? Because that is how this whole thing transpired. And I remember my mom coming back in and me trying to hide the fact that I was cut and her asking me, what are you hiding? Nothing. And so there was a whole series of experiences that went through my life that began to create, you know, some, some learning that I would carry forward. And all throughout our lives, this is what we're building, what we're experiencing. Some of you have, we've we've faced all different types of things along every different topic from friendship to money, family to loneliness and rejection, people in authority, males in authority over us, women in authority over us, uh, sexuality, discouragement, success, failure, self-image. Somebody said we looked great. Somebody said we looked terrible. Criticism, God, and church. And as we navigate those different issues, we build these apps that are like the ones that are on our phone so that when we come back to a similar experience, we know how to navigate. The problem is, number two, apart from God, all of your apps are flawed every single one of them. 
Because we don't have the full picture. We don't have the full truth. We have an experience. We lack information. We misunderstand what's happening. We're deceived a little bit. We get bad input from somebody around us. We begin to formulate responses. You know, it's like a child who's in line who really wants the toy. And you won't buy them the toy. And the child realizes that you respond to embarrassment. So they begin to act up and, and begin to misbehave. And you're trying to wait this thing out and threatening, you know, under your breath. Wait till we get out to the car. Keep, you know, and so there's that. You're trying to negotiate. And then don't you love the input of somebody, a, a perfect stranger? like, oh, just buy him the toy. Life is so short. They're going to grow up. Here, I'll buy him for you. And that child is learning that if they throw a temper tantrum, they can get the thing that they want. Right? We're developing apps all along our experience. But they are definitely, when apart from God, they are flawed. And so we're introduced to a man in the book of Acts chapter 8 who's learned to navigate life with some very flawed apps. It says in verse number 9, but there was a man named Simon who had previously practiced magic in the city and he amazed the people of Samaria, saying that he himself was somebody great. It's pretty remarkable. It goes on to say, they all paid attention to him from the least to the greatest, saying, this man is the power of God that is called great. Remember, these people are filled with biblical knowledge. A lady from this town argued with theology with Jesus, but they lacked the power of God. And so anytime you are missing the power of God, you're looking for a replacement. And Magic looks really similar. Deception looks really similar to a miracle. And so they gravitated towards this. And this man wanted to be somebody who was great. You can see it. He's, walk, he's, he's walking around telling people, I am great. Don't we have a lot of people in our culture today walking around telling, their, telling us there's somebody important? Yes. I mean, they'll even inflate the figures about where they went to college and how many awards they got and all their scholarships so that you will believe that they're great. Because being great is their goal. You know what the Bible says? If you want to be great, what should you do? Be a servant of all. And that's how you can separate a godly form of influence versus a non-godly form of influence. You want to be a leader? Good. You should strive to be a leader. You want to be a political leader? You want to be a leader at school? You want to be top dog in the corporation? Good. Push your way there. But understand, with that influence and that power done correctly, it is to serve other people. That's what it's designed for. Power is not so that you can control and be in the center because then you'll need to do more things to maintain control and stay in the center. And then your power will always be geared at controlling the power. And it, it's, it's, it, it'll eat itself over a period of time. And that's how this man functions. Somewhere as we discover that he's been doing this so long, he amazed them for such a long period that probably as a young man at some point, he realized that, through magic. You understand that magic is deception? You know that there's no quarter behind your ear. But we love the idea of somebody convincing us that there is. Why, do we, why are we wired that way? We love to be lied. We know that it's impossible to hold your breath for 45 minutes while frozen in a block of ice on New York's, in New York City. And yet we'll tune in for an hour, an hour watching a man who's blue who can't breathe, we know that this is impossible, but we will pay money on a pay-per-view to see this man lie to us. I don't know why we're wired that way, but we are, and our society really does gear its way at that. We'll pay a fortune to be scared half to death in a haunted house 
because we like to be lied to. You're not in danger. It's a man in a clown suit. You understand? Yes. But we see that theme work its way all throughout our lives. And this young man found at some point that he could have what he wanted. His faulty app was that he could convince people of deception. They would pay him for it. And by repeating the fact that he was great, hey, I'm great. Hey, I'm, I'm great. I'm great. I'm great. And telling enough people, they begin to say, he's great. Oh, he's great. He's great. Not only is he great, but they go on to say, he is the great power from God. You know why? Because they don't actually have any power from God at all. It's a tremendous opportunity for a substitute. But we see in Acts chapter 8, verse 12, uh, we know that Philip is down there preaching the good news and some good things are happening, right? And so in the process, the city begins to believe Philip. And as he preached the good news about the kingdom of God, in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. This incredible moment breaks out where God begins to capture people's hearts. And it says, even Simon heard the word preached, and he believed. And after he was baptized, it says something interesting. He continued with Philip. Now, it's a beautiful moment when somebody says yes to Jesus, but I wish it's not possible. This is my next point, that though Jesus saves, sometimes our bad apps live on. Wouldn't it be great if you walked up to Jesus and Jesus said, I forgive you, you're following me, boom, fresh, clean slate, you're perfect, now walk on, walk forward. But part of the challenge of this real life that we live is God forgives us, and then we step one foot at a time into our journey of following Jesus, sometimes with the bad apps still loaded in the operating system of who we are. Anybody here, you're with me, that's, yeah. that's you, you can recognize that, and that is a reality. And so God loves you so much, and he wants the best future that he has for you, that he has a way of exposing the bad apps that are functioning within your life so that he can remove them, so that he can perfect you, so that you can begin to experience the very best of what he has, right? If you ever had a bad app on your phone, it will begin to drain your battery. It will begin to cause other types of problems. It will introduce you into things that aren't healthy for you. So the key becomes deleting them. And so the catalyst for what happens in, uh, in Simon's life happens in verse number 17. It says, then they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. There's this moment where the whole city's coming to God. And Simon, who's now a new believer, is seeing this. He's watching this. He's used to pulling quarters from behind people's ears, but he watches the apostles lay their hands on people and the power of God come upon them so strongly that there's a manifestation. It is like power comes upon them and they are empowered to live powerful lives and they can see that this happens. And Simon, who has been faking power, faking pulling quarters out of ears, been faking all types of healings, faking all kinds of crazy stuff, when you see the real, you really want it. And he's there close. He's positioned himself close to Peter. He's positioned himself close to Philip. But you know what? He's still got some bad apps that are functioning on his phone. It says, Simon, when he saw that the Spirit had been given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, his immediate reaction, I'm going to pay for that. You know, do you realize that there are magicians that pay top dollars to learn a magic trick? Top money. There are magicians who would never give up their secret because that is how they make their money, by deceiving the masses. And if everyone knows how this trick is done, 
they're going to lose their power. They lose their position. They're going to lose the opportunity. So they guard it very closely until, for the right price, after they hit a certain level of fame, they can actually make more money by selling their tricks off to just specific individuals so that now you can learn the secret of deception. But here he sees power transferred, and he's like, ooh, I want me some of that. But he reverts to the old way. So he offers to pay money, saying, give me this power also so that anyone on whom I lay my hands can receive the Holy Spirit. And man, if only the bad code was pulled out of our lives the moment we said yes to Jesus. You know, there are some experiences that you have as you step into your life, different probably than this, where an old situation, where an old app has been developed, although you're now following Jesus, but you hit that similar situation the old app kicks into gear. You know, it could be that for you, you, you ain't, ain't nobody telling you what to do, right? And so what you used to do is when you were in trouble, you would immediately begin to fight against any type of authority, shut it down. And, ah, oh, you come up with all kinds of excuses. You get pulled over doing 100 miles an hour driving down the road, but you're telling all of your friends how wrong the police officer was because of the unprofessional way he wrote you a ticket. <laughs> know anybody who's like that? Anybody, anybody? And so the way that we navigate through, through getting in trouble is to deflect because we're not going to submit to anybody telling us we're wrong. And so we go back into these old ways of, of, of acting. But God is so faithful to want to remove that out of our lives. And here's, here's a key reason why. If you will not submit to the correction of authority, you also won't have the benefit of the encouragement of authority. In order to allow authority as a God-given thing where God wants to speak his best into your life and he wants to bring correction to your life to help you to be the person he's designed you to be. And he puts people in our life to encourage us and also to correct us. Now, if you cast off authority over you because you're not going to submit to their correction, they will not exist in your world to bring true encouragement. But you'll still crave encouragement. So you know who you'll start getting it from? Your peers, your friends who don't know any better than you do. And they will tell you you're amazing at everything. And you could, you could be completely naked and they'd be telling you that's the greatest outfit ever. Right? Because they crave to be loved by you. And you crave to be loved by them. But it's God-given authority that really feeds that. It's something different when a parent says to you, you did a great job or a grandparent, or, or a leader in church, or one of your pastors, or spiritual leaders. That's a, that's a weighty thing. There's a transfer of endorsement, and it's so valuable. And it's important to step into the new way of functioning because the old us says, you can't tell me what to do. You're not right. Nobody corrects me. This is America. I do whatever I want because that's as if that's what America is, right? So Simon hits this moment where he steps back into an old app but this is a moment I want you to grab onto and want you to consider. This is a great moment. How do you feel about the correction of God in your life? My prayer is that you will look at it at this moment and you will shift something right now. The correction of God in your life is one of the most beautiful things that you can experience. It is absolutely meant for your good. No, no, no correction at the moment seems comfortable, but it's actually an amazing moment. It's an amazing moment of truth where the heart of God is for you to move out of dysfunction and step into function. And so when this man, Simon, says, 
I will pay money to get this. Peter, his spiritual leader, steps up and unleashes on him. He says, may your silver perish with you because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have neither part nor lot in this matter. And he goes on to say, your heart is not right before God. You know what? If the average pastor said to someone in their church, your heart's not right before God, they'd be like, well, I'm not going to go into the depths of what could be said in that moment. <laughs> I know it doesn't always go well. We, I, on, the truth is, the few times that most people need that from a, a spiritual leader are so few. I know the few times that it's happened to me, I actually crave for that because I trust the leaders that are in my life. And I've chosen them. I have that opportunity. They become leaders in my life. And so when that moment comes, it's like, oh, I'm about to hear something. And this is, they care about me. They love me. And so it's amazing to me as I look at this, as Peter rebukes him harshly, the thing that I love about this moment, and you'll see it here in just a second, is Simon responds to it. This happens incredibly, public, incredibly publicly. You know, for most of us, and this will be my fourth and final point, is that you can trust the catalyst that God uses to bring about your correction. You and I are very fortunate. About 90% of your, your, your correction is going to happen this way. You're going to be reading your Bible. The Bible's going to say, stop hitting your brother. And you'll be like, oh, I've been hitting my brother. I need to stop doing that. And you can trust the Word of God, right? Mm -hmm. And this is God's tool, and that so often happens in a private setting where... God reveals an adjustment that we need to make. How many of you experienced the Word of God correcting your behavior? Got to read your, got to read the Word in order to experience that. Newsflash, but you know, I trust that you are. It can also happen while listening to a sermon. It can be very irritating. It can make you very suspect. It can make you look at your mom and say, "Did you call Pastor Steve this week and tell him to say all those things?" It's amazing how many husbands and wives will tell me, "Did my wife call you this week?" She had to call, she told you, she told you what I did, didn't she? No. But here's the beauty is that God through his Holy Spirit wants to, he wants to deal with real things in your life. I wish it was all just encouragement, but without an element of correction, we don't make any adjustments. We just keep running forward. But I don't know about you, but me, man, I... There's a lot of things I'm doing really well, and the Lord's so good to encourage me that way, but there's some things that I'm not doing correctly that takes, wouldn't it be just great if it was always just through the Bible or always just through preaching or a podcast or a book because he uses all those things or just the Holy Spirit just whispers. Wouldn't that be great? But here to Simon, here's why I think it happens this way. Simon, this happens publicly. He was known in this entire city they had called him the power of the great. And then revival happens and everybody realizes the truth is he's been a scammer his entire life. But he humbles himself and begins to follow Jesus. And the Bible says that he, he stays close to, to, to Philip. He stays close to Peter. I don't know. Was it because he's attracted to the limelight and is having a hard time losing popularity? Or is it because there's really a deep down desire I'm going to trust that there's a deep down desire. You know, that moment when he saw the laying on of hands and saw people filled with the Holy Spirit, he's like, I want that. How much does it cost? It was an unbridled moment of the app just, just rung up and came to life. It's like a pocket dial. Man, it just happened. It just jumped out there. You know where it happened? 
It happened live and center stage in front of a tire city. But what I love is that when Peter rebukes him, Acts chapter eight, verse 24, Simon responds. He doesn't allow the old manipulative Simon to steer away and blame it on the police officer or to try to say, mom, you don't treat me, you don't love me the way that I should be loved and that's why I'm this way. He didn't go back to self-destructive tendencies. Well, if that's how you're gonna talk to me, I'm out of here. Switch over to a different church. You know, there have been a number of people, none of you, but in my lifetime, I've watched people, not our church, leave other churches, great churches that they loved. Finally, when there was a moment of correction that was face to face. That's how weak we are in the United States of America, our, our cultural discipleship. You know that discipleship is coaching, it's training, it's you're doing this right, you're doing that wrong. Discipleship requires some challenge. And again, it would be great if there was a host of angels. So that, I mean, it's hard to get mad at an angel, isn't it? They're angels. What are you gonna say? Nice wings, dude. No, you're not gonna, you're not gonna mess with an angel. But it's so easy to look at a person in authority and be like, well, you ain't so perfect yourself. It's not like your sermons are all that great. <laughs> you know, you're not perfect either. And we have a tendency to, to fight against any type of correction. Please look at, just let me just speak to your soul for a second. Do not despise the day of correction. Love correction. Now, be careful that you put people in your world who have trustworthy correction. They're not perfect, but they're people you can trust, but long for correction. Long for the voice of God. And it's gonna happen maybe a few times in your life through angels, but it will happen a few times through real life living people. In that moment, trust the catalyst that's pointing out the change that you need. Trust that, trust that, trust that. I want you to stand with me. And I just wanna pray over you that God will touch your heart and you will welcome this idea of correction, this idea of transformation. You know, it's beautiful scripture. Second Corinthians 7, 1 says, since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness and completion in the fear of God. You know, Simon became clear he had something functioning in his operating system that was wrong. He actually says to Peter, pray for me that none of this will happen to me. Really, it's I don't want to be this way. You're right. I can't believe that I offered money. Man, that's the old me. I don't want the old me unloose in this world. This world needs to be done with the old me and needs to experience the new me. You know, if you've yet to say yes to Jesus in your life, the truth is you're still back where I was, writing your own apps, partially informed, coming up with faulty decisions, and you're going to continue to repeat mistakes and grab razor blades and end up with bloody fingers. It's about a line. It's how it's going to work. But the beauty of saying yes to the creator of all the universe, as you say yes to him, he begins to step into your life and begins to establish a true line of, of, of function. And you can start from there and he begins to train you and rewrite the code of your life. If you're here today and you've yet to say yes to the Lord, you've yet, yet to say yes to Jesus, when we pray in a moment, I'm going to invite you to do that. So you can begin your relationship with him, stepping into a brand new function, stepping into a brand new operatorship of, of your smart device. You are smart and you can function smartly according to God's word. For the rest of us, I wanna pray that God will give you a heart, that you a heart that changes, that you look back in the rearview mirror 
and stop being mad at the people who corrected you. Stop being, stop blaming them. Stop blaming them for the words that hurt. They were spoken out of love. I know there's been some bad things said to you, but there's actually been a few moments where people who loved you dearly spoke a word of truth and you despised it. And you want to break that trend in your life. You want to submit to good, healthy leadership in your life. It's a good thing. It's meant to harness you and bring you to destinations that are valuable. And I want to challenge you to look forward in the future saying, God, correct me. I'm open to your Holy Spirit directing me. God, speak to me out of your word as I read it. Speak to me out of preaching as I hear it. Lord, speak to me through friends and family. But Lord, put, put spiritual leaders in my world. And it shouldn't be everything that they say, but when they do say something, I want to have a heart that says yes to your correction. Amen? I want my heart to look like that. Because there's going to be a few moments where I'm about to drive off a cliff and do something dumb. I'm, I'm just telling you, I have been there. An axle hanging over, one axle still on the ridge. And the words of a leader have kept me back up. I thought I was entering into great moments. But like Evil Knievel trying to jump the Snake River, lasts about three seconds, you end up on, still on this side of the river in pieces. Is that you? Come on, let's be teachable. Father, we pray right now. We come to you. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, leaders, and what we do at C3 Church, visit our website at c3swwa.com.